folks. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Ammers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. And today I'm speaking to you from sunny, beautiful Germany. Um, I am at home in the Moselle Valley. I've just spent a beautiful weekend seeing my best friend get married, uh, drinking a lot of wine, and I am by now, I think I am about 49% cake. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good job you can't really see me. Uh, if the audio quality on this podcast isn't quite as great as usual, that's because I didn't bring my big, beautiful microphone. So instead, I'm just speaking to you on the laptop. Um, but I did a little audio test and decided it's all going to be fine. On today's podcast, I will be speaking to you solo. Um, so we're having, we're not having a guest on. It's just me. And I'm going to be chatting to you about various topics that sort of came to my mind and things I just want to mention. I've been doing so much writing. I've been doing so much writing, um, over the last sort of two or three weeks because I've been working really hard on my second book which is going to be the Self-Directed Language Learner's Guide to Vocabulary Learning, um, which is not a method, but instead we're going to look at various different methods of vocabulary learning. We're going to explain a little bit about how learning works. Um, so there's a bit of psychology in there. And I think it's going to be really great and really interesting just listing advantages and disadvantages of different methods. And I want to make it possible for you guys to start learning in line with your personality and start feeling empowered to really choose whichever method you want, rather than thinking that there is a specific way that you're going to have to learn a language, which then lets you down. We've done way too much of that. Let's not do that anymore. Um, so yeah, look out on my website at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash book where you'll see a terrible looking mock-up um, of the two books that are coming out. It's a whole guide series, uh, Vocabulary Learning and Core Language Skills. And those books are going to be all shiny and ready for you on the 31st of July. You can also get yourself on my mailing list and then you'll be updated with the book's progress. Um, bearing in mind, it's going to have to be on time. And... Um, there's also going to be a pre-sale section where you can get them all at a reduced price. So it's worth getting on there if you're interested. And second housekeeping note is that the the Babla, that's B-A-B dot L-A, <laughs> Babla, uh, Language Lovers Challenge, the Language Lovers uh, top list is live again for 2014. And this is a massive, massive contest. They do such a great job organizing this. They list their favorite 100 blogs for, by language professionals and language learners, the top 100 Facebook pages, Twitter accounts, and newly also the top 100 YouTube accounts in the field of language learning. And then they let everybody vote on it. So if you find it in your heart, you could vote for me, but it's worth just going to the website and just checking it all out. You can go to my blog at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash blog. Um, and on the right-hand side, there are the little voting buttons that will take you straight to the big top list and just click your way through it. There's, oh, oh, there's hours, thousands of hours of linguistic goodness and language learning, um, blogs, so much intelligence. You're going to be, you know, this is going to be your new 
I was going to say this is going to be a new YouTube, but I guess it's got YouTube on it. So this is going to be a new time sink. It's almost as good as kitten videos. Mind you, I did see that one video of a kitten riding around on a robotic vacuum cleaner while dressed as a little dragon. And that's got pretty much... Oh, while chasing a little duck. I think after that we pretty much had to shut down the internet. So anyway, <laughs> getting into the Creative Language Learning Podcast number four. Today I will talk to you briefly about the language we use to describe language learning and certain expressions that worry me or that I don't like. And then we're going to have a nerd corner and talk about X-Men and about Game of Thrones, so beautiful uh, pop culture. And then I will dive deep dive into psychological barriers in language learning. Um, that's describing the different ways that you can stand in your own way. Onwards to section one. Okay, so our first topic in the podcast today is going to be the language we use to describe language learning and in particular I want to talk to you about language learning goes to the gym <laughs> which is all about all the different sports language that I have started seeing infiltrating um, the world of language learning so what we always want out of language learning which is the same thing as we want out of all the projects that we do to improve ourselves um, to feel like we are people who achieve more, who work harder, all that kind of stuff. Um, whether it's meditating every day, whether it's learning a foreign language or getting fit or eating more healthily, um, or perhaps picking up a new habit uh, in terms of gratitude that makes you more happy. All these things um, tend to be very goal focused and very often people want to achieve their goals fast. Um, and this speed focus, recently I have noticed that a lot of language learners talk not only about speed, so not only about achieving a specific level of language within six months, three months, four weeks, you know, very, very short, limited amounts of time. Um, but I've also noticed that there is an increasing focus on uh, performance language. So if you've ever heard the language we use at the gym, so things like the insanity workout, things like power hour, things like um, train harder, train faster. And that is, it's very motivational, aspirational language is all about giving your all and working as hard as you possibly can um, which kind of works with the body and it also works from a linguistic perspective um, and in language I have noticed so many occasions recently where people have talked about the total annihilation challenge people have talked about um, giving full power in lessons um, giving full power in lessons um, and I've also seen rapid as a word and also I need to whip myself into shape. I need to get into shape with language learning. Um, and what we're really talking there, what we're really talking about there isn't really to get much, much better at the language. It's not really about linguistic basics. You know, it's not like, oh, I need to be able to, you know, express myself better in grammar. What people are talking about is actually self-discipline. Um, and that's one thing to just bear in mind. So we get promised an awful lot um, of 
products and methods and things like that that will make language learning um, look either very promising because they sort of feel like the holy grail but or very intimidating um, and that's where I'm very very worried about it so no one can guarantee you that you will do a crazy rapid immersion program which will then make you fluent in two months it just doesn't work like that and here's really where we get onto Kirsten's little soapbox um, which is that language learning can be fast language learning can be goal-driven um, but if you're going to whip yourself into shape and learn rapidly, same as going to the gym, it kind of hurts. It's kind of really a lot of pressure. Progress is good and working hard is good, but you're not actually working out a muscle. You're not weightlifting here. So your brain is a muscle, but with a much, much, much more difficult and delicate limit and it's much more person driven so your language learning progress cannot be compared to anybody else's language learning pro progress. Um, I can give you a few sort of simple tips for looking at this. The core of my message is always that I want it to be fun for you. You can learn a new language, you can become a comfortable speaker um, and work your way around to a level where you feel you know as confident as a fluent speaker uh, within just six months, that's not really that's not really an issue. Um, however, if it takes you three years, if it takes you five years, that's beside the point. It's not about speed. It's about you enjoying it. So three things, three bits of guidance that maybe I can give you there from my own learning experience is A, spend some time at the start trying to find the right medium and the right style for you. Some learners are podcast fans. Some learners love writing everything down by hand. I do. And right now I have a completely blue hand because I'm working with a broken pen. Uh, but some people are, you know, digital natives, as they're called. So find your best learning style, work, work out whatever works for you. Um, don't be so quick to dismiss yourself just because a style doesn't work for you or dismiss yourself because you're not the fastest person in a course. It's not black or white. You don't have to turn up all the time. You have to feel positive about this as a continuing effort. Uh, the second tip I can give you is really, really try every freebie that you can do try before you buy um, you can do this and and you make use of money-back guarantees if you buy Rosetta Stone and it's awful for you personally and you never look at it within 30 days that could be a problem with the medium of Rosetta Stone not working for you not with you being a person that is stupid so if you really decide actually I might come back to this in a year I want my money back. Go get your money back. It's not, it's not your fault. Um, or, you know, try out free trials, cheap trial lessons. Um, same as in the gym, funnily enough. Um, try it out and see what works for you. Personally, I love Zumba. I like running. I hate kettlebells. So every time I've been to a kettlebell lesson, I felt just incredibly bad and the same as when I try to sit down and study a language by myself for two hours like a lot of you guys can um, I a I get bored and B I start feeling like I'm really bad at it because I am bored um, because the system doesn't work for me but when I sit in a class with other people 
it works for me. It works with my personality. That's my style. And number three is once you find that style, once you found the freebies, invest. Invest in what's right. Don't spend all your money on 16 different methods. Instead, stick with one method that really works for you and push against your comfort zone. That's where you can push. It's not the rapid insanity workout. It is finding the correct path to what works for you and then sticking with that and committing to it and investing because you need to overcome skepticism, internal skepticism, and this is about committing. Um, so I wish you good luck with, you know, taking off the gym pressures. Moving on to the second topic of today's podcast, which is Nerd Corner, and I want to talk to you a little bit about things that I noticed about how extremely positively um, foreign languages have been displayed in two amazing, amazing works uh, recently. The first one um, is called Game of Thrones. You might have heard of it. It's a TV show based on the books, um, the book series A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin, or George R.R. Martin, I think, as he's called. Um, and there is one character in particular who I find is a massive idol and a great ambassador for foreign language speaking, because the whole way that she is displayed as a language learner um, shows how much power and how much control she always takes over her life and she takes over her situation whenever she switches into another language. Um, the character is called Daenerys Targaryen. Um, she is a, dr a mother of dragons and a liberator and very much against slavery. And when Daenerys was first married, um, it was her brother who arranged a marriage to a Far Eastern tribe um, of people who are mostly into horses and fighting. And I don't think she was very keen. She didn't really know what was going on. Uh, her husband was very rough with her. Um, his name was Karl Drogo, and she was then a Khaleesi. And um, the language that they spoke was Dothraki. And over the course of the series, over the course of one of the seasons, you see Daenerys learning this language, Dothraki, and using it to endear herself to the people, to start understanding the Dothraki culture, um, and also to start building a really beautiful relationship with her husband. Um, later on in the series, the common tongue, which is the, the show's way of referring to English, which it's all written in for everybody's benefit who's watching it, um, she, the common tongue is used mostly in the way that she speaks with her people and she's trying to get from east to west because she thinks she's the original queen of this kingdom called, or the seven kingdoms called Westeros. The world is called Westeros in this series. And Daenerys is on her way back west when, in various occasions, people are talking about her in rather silly terms and putting her down as a woman, putting her down as a girl, doubting her abilities to lead. And she literally always addresses the people she wants to address and switches into this language, High Valyrian, which is officially her mother tongue. 
And, and this is always in situations where Daenerys really takes power. So I think this is a great example, um, not only linguistically, because both High Valyrian and Dothraki are actually invented and written um, by linguists for the show specifically. Um, so it's not a great linguistic example only, but also an example of language and how much it can be, how much it can be a symbol of taking power and control of your life. So you speak another language, that means you're in charge, which is really cool. And the second character I want to refer to is called Mystique. And interestingly, it's another female character, and she is in the series The X-Men. And that's the character of Mystique. Uh, in the recent movie, Days of Future Past, which we went to see, and I didn't love it, but... Anyway, in, these, in the most recent X-Men movie, Mystique, as ever, is a shapeshifter, so she can make herself look like whoever she wants. And interestingly, she speaks French in the movie, and she speaks various other languages, and refers to herself as an interpreter. So that's her cover for when she's among people in this big international conference in the movie. She calls herself an interpreter. And I thought that was so interesting that her linguistic ability um, represented that Mystique is a shapeshifter, that she can take on various different looks and various different personalities. And since last time we had a podcast that talked about the personalities of language learners and how they can influence you as a language learner. Today I thought I'll just take this inspiration from Mystique and talk a little bit about whether language and the languages that you speak um, can influence your personality or in other words do you take on a different personality when you speak another language. Now to me personally I don't think that my actual personality changes but um, some language learners have witnessed or have said they feel more passionate when they speak Italian or they feel more restrained when they speak certain other languages. However, it's quite noticeable, um, and there's a really good Economist article about it, which I'll put in the show notes, um, which talks about whether different languages confer different personalities. And in that article, they do point out that somehow magically all these different personalities that we think we take on when we speak other languages, they do seem to overlap with the national stereotypes or the self-stereotypes that we have. So English might be regarded as sort of playful and fun. Um, and German, obviously very restricted, uh, rigorous Greek and Italian as passionate, etc. So that's more the stuff that we actually think about those countries. Um, and there's something to be said about how language and culture is sort of intertwined and cannot be possibly be told apart from each other. So language learning in terms of taking on a different personality to me um, means that you it represents the different person that you are when you start learning and it represents the different sets of information that you take in when you when you speak another language. So when I speak English, for example, I am a lot more loose with my swearing. I don't mind swearing at all, but that's because I didn't grow up in an English-speaking environment, which means that I never swore as a little kid and I never got that look from my parents and I never got I never got a bad word for swearing. So when I'm now speaking English, it just doesn't strike me as words that are so bad. It just strikes me as strong words, um, which is a totally different thing. 
Um, the other thing is also that certain languages do make it easier, perhaps like English makes it easier to make a pun. Uh, German might be considered a rigorous language because our verbs are at the end of the sentence, so you've got to wait for them. There is less of a chance to interrupt somebody because you just wouldn't know what they're saying. Um, so for me, the idea that language influences your worldview is definitely there's a lot of truth to it because you use language to describe the world around you you see what's around you and that's how you that's how you describe it with the language that you speak uh, so every language in the same way that in the different Englishes exist around the world reflects a slightly different world so you have American English which knows what cornbread is um, and a cup of tea in American English is very different to what a cup of tea means to a Brit. It's still the same word. So that's the idea of languages to take on personalities. The other thing that I find extremely interesting is when you look at multilingual countries. So a language becomes part of the cultural identity for the natives of countries where many languages are spoken. The example I like looking at is Luxembourg. And on the website everyculture.com, I'll just read out to you what they're saying, is Luxembourg residents speak, read and fry, and, and fry? Speak, read and write, I don't know how they fry, in French, German and Luxembourgish, and they switch between them quite effortlessly. However, the native residents tend to speak Luxembourgish to each other. Uh, Luxembourgish, it's the old Moselle Franconian dialect of German, but in, infused with an awful lot of French words. Um, the major language is extremely easily understood. The official language that is in the, in the Luxembourgish education system is actually German. However, French is the high school language. French is, it sort of replaces the language, the, replaces German as the language of instruction as kids get older. Um, where German is only really used in specialized courses in language and in literature. French is also the main language in the government for speeches. Their shop signs are in French. So it sort of becomes the lingua franca, even though German is everybody's first language. And I notice this when I do go to Luxembourg, is that people don't address me in Luxembourgish, people address me in French in the city of Luxembourg. And when I speak German back to them, there is a look and there's this kind of, oh, I've chosen the wrong language feeling. Um, so I think that is extremely interesting. The language that somebody chooses to address you with uh, says something about what they think about you. So if they took me as a Luxembourgish person and uh, somebody they know well, they'd address me in Luxembourgish, not in French. So that is extremely interesting. Just a few thoughts on language and identity and how you can think about how your languages can make you look stronger or can you be used for your personal strength and also how your languages can make you into a little bit of a shapeshifter. That's some interesting thoughts for you there. Okay, final section of the podcast. We're talking about psychological barriers to language learning. So these are the thoughts and ideas in your head that you have about how you 
learn a language or how you can and can't find a, can and can't learn a language. So the, there are many psychological barriers, many ways that you can stand in your own way before you even pick up a language. You're probably well aware of those. So, for example, I'm too old to learn a language. Um, I need to be immersed before I can really get going. And ideas like I'm not a language learner because my memory is bad. I'm not a language learner because I'm good at maths and so on and so forth. There's no real secret sauce to becoming fluent in a second language, third language, fourth language. You just kind of do it, really. Um, now, what I want to talk to you about today is really for those of you who have already started and started making a progress, um, self-directed learners, there is a certain breed of you guys who... I have met recently, and your problem is down in the level of becoming very, very abstract with the language learning, to the point where you sit there, uh, you have all your books, you have all your vocabulary, you have all your systems in place, you might even have a language partner, but it just doesn't seem real anymore. Languages started feeling too abstract because it's too restricted to your books. It's too restricted to your corner of language learning. You need to have it break out of the study and start infiltrating every aspect of your life. And then it makes an awful lot more sense. And you're going to get what you need in order to achieve your goals. So here are my five good ideas um, for breaking that abstractness barrier. Idea number one is definitely to take language learning physically out of your study room. If you haven't worked with labeling yet, if you haven't labeled half your house in the second language and you feel like language learning is that thing that you just kind of do in your bedroom, then there's a way out for you, really. Just write yourself some post-its, get yourself some stickers, have fun with it, go crazy on the stationery. And, you know, label a little bit of your house. Uh, this works for colors. This works for foods. This works for pieces of furniture, of course. And this works for many, many different concepts. For example, if you're going, if you're now thinking, oh, well, there's no furniture called love, um, there will be that picture of somebody that you really like or that picture that you really love. So the idea is about the item reminding you of your word that you're trying to memorize. Tip number two is to watch movies in the other language, but choose the ones that you've already watched um, and, or do it with TV shows. So for me, if I'm learning, if I'm wanting to step up my French for a little bit, maybe before I go on a trip and I want to hear more of it, or I just want to, re I want a little refresher, I might watch Buffy and it's literally a case of I've got the DVD at home, the DVD has a French audio track, and all I need to do is switch on French, and it's going to do me world of favors. It's not a lot of hard work because I get to, you know, sit down and watch Buffy, but at the same time, it really, really helps me out. Tip number three is have a look at the way that you're currently studying, and this is just returning to your study methods, and back to the message that if you get your method right, you are going to be successful. So if it feels like your language learning is entirely limited to a book and maybe a podcast and you're listening to it in your car and you never have another person around you, you never talk to anybody else about it, what you need to do is either get yourself a partner or again, just make it a little bit more real. You don't have to go down the route of having this sort of Skype conversation language exchange. That works very, very well, but it's not for everybody. It can be so much easier to just, if you're learning 
a specific language, just go out of your usual haunts in your town, go and have a look around and see if you can't find a cafe where you might expect this language to be spoken. You can't find a restaurant or a local ethnic store. So for me, I live in Lancaster, UK, which isn't extremely cosmopolitan. However, I will not have a difficult time finding Thai speakers, Vietnamese speakers, Malaysian, Chinese, Taiwanese, um, French speakers, that's very easy because all I need to do is go to the local library, uh, Russian, Bulgarian and Polish. So there are over 10 languages that I can just rile off the top of my head that you don't even need to think about. So just leave your house, go and have a look around. You don't have to have the one-to-one -one lesson experience, but just go where the language is spoken. Tip number four is also a popular one that I use um, various times, and this is with relation to your mobile phone. If you have an iPhone or a smartphone that uses Android on it, you're going to have the little voice assistant. They sound like this. Hey Siri. Greetings, Kirsten. How many languages do you speak, Siri? I speak Cantonese, English, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Mandarin, and Spanish so far. So there you go. Siri speaks a lot more languages than you and I do, probably. Uh, <laughs> and so does Google now. So it's not very difficult to switch something that you use on a very regular basis into another language. And it'll force you to just interact in that language. And once again, it'll take it out of your book and make it seem more real. And that's all we're trying to do here. All right, and finally, exercise number four. Uh, this is an exercise rather than a tip, um, and it's something that I work with with my students. And it's really, really helpful when you feel like you've learned a lot of separate things and they don't go together so much, or you're learning, you kind of have these different vocabulary sections. You go, oh, this is my restaurant vocabulary. This is my vocabulary for booking hotels. This is my travel vocabulary. This is my business vocabulary. And what you should do if this kind of thing happens is that your vocabulary gets very sectioned off and everything feels like it doesn't go together, is cut yourself, you, you can do this with stationery and it's really fun, or get, enter everything into the random generator or cut yourself little, little sets of cards, uh, pull out a random bunch of words that go together, so you'll have a verb, a noun, perhaps another noun that you can have as an object, and an adjective and an adverb, and just make a lot of sample sentence, sample, sample sentence, sample sentences, um, and they're going to be really, really useful just to kind of take around and have a little bit of fun with. And it again, it just makes it it makes your language more real because you're using it in a different way, and it stops this crazy abstractness and it starts making you understand that what you have in your hand here is one of the greatest tools ever known to mankind, and that is what language is. And with this, guys, we've made it to the end of the Creative Language Learning Podcast, episode four. Even though I didn't interview a guest today and just kind of spoke to you from my heart, I hope you still enjoyed this podcast. I had a lot of fun today. I've been recording this over the course of Monday, the 2nd of June, uh, in my parents' beautiful living room in Germany. I'm really having a great time here in Germany. And I'm going to say goodbye and log off now because I'm going to go swimming in the River Moselle.
Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast in iTunes, particularly if you enjoyed it. And don't forget that you can also let me know what you're thinking. You can email Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can follow me on Twitter, and it's simply Fluent Language on there. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.